Hello and welcome to Rooted Together Podcast, the podcast where we aim to root you in Christ through His Word together. I'm your host, Charles Hegwood, and today we continue in part two of chapter five. This story is known as Jesus Cleansed the Leper, but I want to name this episode in a world of super pastors, be like Jesus. Now, you might ask yourself, what is a super pastor? But I'm sure even as you ask that question, you in your mind are starting to make connections. The super pastor, you know, the one that is everywhere doing everything. He's involved in every ministry of the church. He's on call 34-7, and there's not even 34 hours in a day, and yet there he is. He's working constantly, constantly working even through the night. You call him at 3 in the morning, he's there. You call him at... Eight in the morning, he's there. He's working in the office all day, Monday through Saturday. He's there Sunday preaching all day. He's available for every one of your problems and conversations. He's always on call. He's there for every single member of his church, regardless of how big or small the church is. That is a super pastor. And you may... You may not have that, and that's okay. I don't think that's a biblical model, and we're going to talk about that today. Uh, It's not that... It's wrong to be there for your church. You must be as a pastor. You need to be there for your flock. You are their under shepherd. You are to shepherd them well. You are to be available. It is hard work. It's it's not an easy job. It's not a one day a week job. It is a seven day a week job. And and I not I'm not saying that that is not is that that, that model is wrong. Uh, but what I am saying, especially in the West, we have made pastor into a business of sorts where it it has odd office hours and odd expectations that are extra biblical. They're, They're not from the Bible. I can think of a dozen examples of what I would call a super pastor. Not all of them, but many of them live in our mega churches today. Again, not all of them. And it's not that they do it out of ill will. I believe a lot of the super pastors, the, those people who are everywhere doing everything, do so because they love their people. And, and I'm not saying that they are wrong in their heart, in, in their motivation. I'm saying they're wrong in their praxis or their practice. So in a world full of super pa- pastors and people wanting to be super pastors and churches demanding super pastors... Luke cautions us to be like Jesus, who, while he could have been the ultimate super pastor, was not and chose chose not to be. And I'm sure at this point we're looking at verses 12 through 16 and you're thinking, what, where are you getting this from? Um, I'm not reading into the text here, but I, I'm, nor am I exactly pulling out all the meaning of the text. What I'm doing is I'm looking at this, and I'm going to make the greater point. Now, I'll admit the the title is what pricked my mind as I was reading. It's the title that came to my mind, uh, though it is not the main point of, of this passage, but the main point is rooted in there. We need to be like Jesus. I mean, obviously, duh, we're reading the Bible, right? But what I mean is that we need to be like Jesus and how he retreats to pray and how he steps back from the busyness of life and ministry to take time to reconnect with God the Father. That's the main idea of this passage. I'm going to put it out there in the open just for you. Because this world, what this world does not need is another super pastor. Uh, And interestingly here, Jesus actually has a chance to be one. So let's read it. Verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, 
there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and he begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and in a heartfelt, heart-wrenching scene, Jesus touched the man who was deemed untouchable, unclean, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged the man to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest, making an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded for a proof of them. Verse 15, but... And every time you read a but, there's going to be a transition, right? So we lock in on it, and it says, But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. So here's the thing. The man does not listen to Jesus. Jesus says, don't tell anyone. Just go and, and present yourself. Do the thing you're supposed to do according to the law and be cleansed. I've healed you. The man doesn't listen. He goes and he tells everybody. So now, more than ever before, bigger and bigger crowds are beginning to follow Jesus, which, to at least to our 21st century ears, we might go, oh, well, this is the perfect moment. This is what Jesus should be seeking. Bigger and bigger crowds. He can teach them. He can heal them. He can teach them and heal them and show himself to be who he is. This is a great ministry booster. Great crowds are gathering to hear you. This would be a super pastor's dream. Great crowds gathering and pressing in to hear you more. But in verse 16, we have a very strange turn of events big crowds gathering. Now, of course, they're gathering to hear him and to be healed. So they want to hear the word of God, but they also want to be healed. And Jesus had just spent, if you go back into the following chapters, he had healed through the night and then he left and people sought him. That's back in chapter four and here in chapter 16, again, when the crowds are pressing in to hear and to be healed, Jesus it says, but so there's a change, but he would withdraw to a desolate place, and pray. In fact, the way Luke writes it is this, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray, which means the more the crowds pressed in, the more he would strategically retreat to, not lonely places, desolate places, quiet places, isolated places to pray. So here is Jesus, crowds clamoring, pressing in everywhere he goes. This again, perfect moment to, to assume the mantle of super pastor. Jesus has the mantle given to him right into his hands, but he doesn't take it. Faced with large crowds, he withdraws, not out of fear. And this is important. He does not withdraw because he's afraid of big crowds. He does not withdraw because he does not think they are worth his time. Not, not at all. He withdraws to pray. And if, if you're wondering, well, that's odd. It shouldn't be, but go back to chapter four, and he, he has the crowd seeking him, saying, don't leave us. And he tells them, I must go to other cities to proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus had a mission, and it was to proclaim the kingdom of God to as many people as he could in the time of his ministry. He knew it was limited. He knew his end was coming. And so Jesus tells the people, 
I must continue on. I can't stay here and continue teaching and healing you. I must continue to go elsewhere to do this. And in verse 16, you have similar things. He would withdraw as a matter of habit to pray. And this flies in the face of most super pastors. In fact, a lot of pastors today are so busy, and this is a, re- a recent poll. I had this in one of my seminary classes. We talked about this poll that polled pastors and say, how much do you on a weekly basis pray? Pray for your people, pray for your soul, you know, your own heart, your own life, your own family, those things. Do you pray or just pray to God and just be with God? And the, the average pastor, it was between two to seven minutes a week. That's barely a minute a day. A pastor who's supposed to be modeling what it is to walk with Jesus and yet is doing the very thing, not doing the very thing that Jesus did much, much of. Jesus, in the face of busyness and busy seasons, withdrew to pray. The question is, why don't you? And it's not just for pastors, though. Because I could leave it there, and I could leave it at pastors reading this going, I need to pray more. Yes, that's true. As pastors, we, we don't seek to be super pastors. We seek to be like Christ, and that might mean withdrawing, and that might mean, if you're a church member, letting letting your pastor withdraw to pray, to have extended times of prayer. He needs it. He must have it. I think... That is why we see a rise in pastors burning out and falling into sin, because they are not on their knees in prayer before God. They are not taking time to withdraw as Jesus did. If Jesus, Son of God, God in human flesh, thought it important to not continuously heal and teach, he withdrew from that. If Jesus knew as as fully God and human flesh that he had that he needed to withdraw and to spend time with the Father, why do we think we don't? And this goes to the average church member as well. Now we applied it to pastors; they need to withdraw and to pray. We applied it to churches as a whole; they need to let their pastors withdraw and pray. Now I want to aim it at me and you, the average church goer. Do you? withdraw and pray. Life is busy. You may have kids, you have a job, you have church activities, clubs, sports clubs, games to watch on TV, whatever it is. Life is busy. Do you take time to withdraw and pray? Jesus did, and you do as well. You must do this. It is for your spiritual survival. Look, I get it. I'm I'm overseas as a missionary. I am both working, raising, and so I'm, I'm, I guess you would say bivocational in that I'm working to raise part of the funds, and I'm also partially fundraised as well. And on top of that, I'm trying to minister to a multitude of churches, learn another language. I get busyness. I have a wife and a kid and another on the way. I understand busy. And the temptation is to become super missionary or super pastor or just super Christian and try to do everything without prayer, everything without without withdrawing to pray. And yet I'll tell you, that is a temptation for me to not do that, to be overwhelmed, go, I got too much going on, don't have time to make time to pray. And yet the call of Jesus is clear in this passage. The, The message that Luke is portraying is clear. We must 
withdraw and pray. I must withdraw and pray, even if life is super busy. I cannot do this without praying. If Jesus thought it important to pray, so should I, and so should you. I understand you're busy, but the gospel, the Holy Spirit calls us to withdraw and to pray. And by the way, as I close, I do want to point this out. You will not find time to pray. So please don't even use the words. Uh, I find myself doing this. Oh, I got to find time to pray. I got to find time to do more Bible study. I got to find time to to spend more time with, with God. And here's the thing. Here's the secret. You'll never find it because it will not exist. Because time and your things are like being at the beach and you, 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 know, you put your hand in the sand, and you pull out a chunk of sand and you think you got a hole, but what happens? The water and the sand just fill in the hole immediately. It's gone. That is like your time. You can try to find time, but as much as you pull out, it will fill up and you'll have no time. You must not find time, but make time to pray. Schedule it. Schedule it before you make other schedules and plans. Carve time out and guard that time. Thank you for joining me in Rooted Together podcast. I look forward to joining you in part three of chapter five next time. I'll see you there. 